Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast review of 2022. I'm Tony Kerr and over the next, well, I don't know how long, we'll be looking back over the year that was, reflecting on the high points, the low points and casting an eye over what we've got to look forward to in 2023 as well. Alongside me, as ever, to do all that is Gareth Brevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingle. Hi, Tony. Great to see you both. Our final pod of the year, and in fact, um, the end of our first full year of doing this pod, so a bit of a landmark for us. Um, we'll also be hearing from the winner of this year's Guernsey Press Sporting Achievement of the Year Award, our own award celebrating sporting performance within the islands. Guys, shall I start by sort of recapping some of the big moments of the year? Um, there are a few. Uh, it was a great one for our individual stars. Mayor Letitia made her England debut. Ala Chalmers won a Commonwealth bronze, Lucy Beer won a Commonwealth silver. Um, Alex Scott was crowned under 19 European champion. Heather Watson reached her first slam fourth round. And Seb Prio made his debut at the world famous 24 Hours of Le Mans. Um, there was also a world age group title for triathlete Megan Chappell, a new round the island record for ultra runner extraordinaire Tian Erwi, a new island men's 100 meter record for Joe Chadwick, and more island records for local track queen Abby Galpin. For our teams, on the plus side, Raiders won two Siams in the space of a week, including a first win in Jersey since 2007. They also survived at Nat 2 level for the first time ever. While for the women, there was Siam redemption at Foots Lane, a moment to savour after losing the week before. On the downside for our teams, GFC finished the year struggling at the bottom of the Isthmian South Central the Marathi returned for the first time since 2019, um, but it was a year to forget for Guernsey on the pitch, Jersey claiming a red wash. We did have three more players joining the professional ranks, though, so that was a high point. On the cricket pitch, Jersey won all four interinsular matches played to extend their long winning run, while Guernsey's senior men fell just short in their World Cup qualifier in Finland. On the better side, the under-19s shone on home soil to progress in their World Cup qualifier, while our men's team regained the golf interinsular at Lancres and Guernsey's juniors won away at Lemoy. Um, the future certainly bright on Guernsey's greens. And there was overall victory as well for our men's squad in the Sark to Jersey rowing. Domestically, St. Martins became invincibles and became the first Guernsey Upton winners for a decade. Anna Govine, meanwhile, became the first female coach to win a league football title locally. Yobos became the new island men's hockey champions and won the Upton, while Panthers won the women's title for the first time in 14 years. And Indies became the new Evening League cricket champions, a new name on the Roselle Shield. There were, however, some notable absences too when it came to interinsulars. No Fallets Cup rugby, no netball interinsular either. Though good news just this month, that will return in March. Have I missed anything? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably missed an awful lot, but um, that was some of the, the high points that jumped out as I was just scanning back through the year. There has been so much to enjoy, hasn't there, um, both here and further afield. Um, I guess also, you know, just at the end there, mentioning some of the entrances that still haven't kind of come back since the pandemic. There's still the lag effect, I think, of, of uh, obviously a couple of years away um, on local sport. I mean, Gareth, when I sort of, in a few years' time, if I ask you to look back on 2022 um how will you remember it in a kind of uh, overall sense i think it's i think the big thing tony is is i know we say it a lot of times about how we punch by our weight but it really was a year where guernsey had a as i say on the international stage you know to win two commonwealth games medals you know we hadn't won one for 28 years but to win two in the space of a few days was just phenomenal and then, yeah, like you say, there's sort of so much good stuff has happened. I think in this day of um, social media and what have you, 
I just look back on the year thinking every other day it seemed I was I was sort of tweeting on our sports Twitter feed about something good happening in Guernsey sport or from Guernsey sports men and women sort of across the globe almost and it's just uh, it's just great how we we managed to keep sort of producing such I mean just 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 such stars really you know I mean um, every week we're now looking at sort of Alex Scott and Mayer doing something fantastic on the football field. Um, like you say, we've got the, the athletes doing so well sort of across the, across the world and Seb Prio competing across the world. Heather Watson, who probably is getting more towards the end of her career than the beginning, and yet she's sort of still breaking new ground by reaching the second, round, uh, second week of Wimbledon. It's just, it's just amazing what we are able to look at or look back at uh, for a for a little community of sixty three thousand people, it's just it's amazing, really. Yeah, top array of talent, certainly at the top end. Um, I'm going to start by asking you guys for your moments of the year. Um, Jamie, let me come to you then. Um, so much to choose from. What are you going to pin um, your name to? <laughs> I think it has to be Alistair Chalmers, really. Um, on two separate occasions, if that's not cheating, uh, because they are both occasions which have made me double take, triple take, think what's really just happened now and yeah so early on the year he shattered the Guernsey record in the 400 meter hurdle so it was a big race but I mean the amount of time he took off that it, it like given he had a load of major championships lined up at the end of the year it seemed relatively small within the calendar but he just goes and slices 0.7 seconds off the Guernsey records which we have to say was based on stats the strongest Guernsey record of all time the single best performance um, by a Guernsey athlete ever, statistically. Yeah, so I think before you could debate it, like whether Dale was the best, whether Lee was the best, whether Cam was the best. But I think based on those stats, you have to say Alice on top now. <laughs> and then obviously going on to consolidate that with bronze out of the Commonwealth Games is another incredible achievement and was also beyond expectation because I don't think it's a big secret they didn't have the perfect build up. I mean, having COVID a week before is not great. <laughs> but yeah. Again, really stepped up to the occasion, really performed. Yeah, I think the Commonwealth Games is going to dominate our moments of the year, isn't it? Um, Gareth, let me come to you next. <laughs> you were looking over my shoulder or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, my moment of the year, Tony, was, um, it was sort of watching the live stream of Lucy Beer win a semi final of the women's singles uh, in Birmingham. It was sort of like, because we've waited so long for a Commonwealth medal, um, 28 years since our last one in 1994, um, I mean, we've come close on certain occasions. We, we always go to a Commonwealth Games looking at certain people thinking that there's a possibility there of a medal here and there. Um, and yeah, uh, just going to going to Birmingham, sort of, we, we were looking at it as a, as a team. And um, I sort of said, well, Lucy has done so well on the international stage before, she, she must have a chance. But then to actually sort of get to that stage where you're in the semi-final and it comes down to that match. And she was up against um, the Malaysian player, Sita Zalana Ahmed, who has won two Commonwealth Games singles gold. I mean, she's one of the world superstars when it comes to outdoor bowls. And you sort of you you sort of think well hopefully Lucy can do it and yet you've got got it in your mind that she's probably the underdog um, for her to go and win that match and just guarantee a medal it didn't matter what colour at that point to guarantee a medal um, for just for the space of a couple of hours because she had the semi final in the morning and final in the afternoon just for a couple of hours just sort of it was just a fantastic feeling knowing we had that sort of guaranteed front page and back page for the next day that we were going to have a Guernsey Commonwealth medalist and it was just it was just fantastic so seeing her win that semi final I think has to go down as my highlight yeah it was spectacular stuff over there I, I mean I think I find it very difficult to separate the two medals um 
Lucy's silver and Alice's bronze. I mean, I think certainly, as you say, you know, the way that Lucy did it, yeah, it's more of a slow burn. That's the sort of nature of the sport, isn't it? Um, but the fact that she was the one to break that that sort of two decade plus duck um, that we'd had, uh, yeah, that was that certainly kind of made it all the the more memorable. And I think as well for her, you know, given as you say that she's been really suce- she's been really successful in the past, but you know, sort of off the rink, if you like, um, you know, I think she. Well, she said herself that she was sort of taking a slightly different approach mm. to to the game and to the sport and to how, um, I suppose, the sort of her mentality or, or how she set up herself sort of mm. mentality-wise. She'd had a lot going on personally, uh, you know, away from uh, well, away from the sport as well. So, um, yeah, that, that was pretty spectacular to see. And then on the, uh, the flip side, the sort of, it's like the, the kind of antithesis of that was Alice's mm. bronze, which obviously happens in more or less a flash, you know, 40-odd seconds. Yeah. Well, Alice was another sort of a bit in a similar vein to Lucy that when we were looking before the games, we think, well, maybe there is a possibility there. You know, he'd been representing GB at the World Championships and what have you. But the fact that he ran his heat and was disappointing, to, to, seemingly disappointing to start with, and then he revealed that he'd been suffering from COVID. It was, all, it was almost a bit of a, a downer after his heat, sort of like, oh, he's perhaps not in the shape we've really wished he would be in. So to them see him sort of storm down that home street and sort of overtaking the guy in third and almost catching the guy in silver was just, yeah, it was a, it was a heck of a, was it a Saturday night? I think it was on BBC One, wasn't it? It was just remarkable. <laughs> yeah, he finished out like an absolute freight train and uh, certainly the celebrations afterwards will live long in the memory. Um, he was sort of lucky enough to be, mm. be there to, to greet him off the track and try not to yeah. spill too much. As I was going to say, you probably just give him the edge because he was the one coming to hug you after he won his medal. <laughs> <laughs> Sporting performance of the year from the stands um but yeah you know that that was that was incredible obviously in its own right and and for, for sort of different reasons but you know the, the actual the achievement obviously we've we've won as an island bowls medals at the commonwealth games before but a, a first um athletics track medal is um is something to savor so um yeah i'm very hard to separate the two um achievements and um yeah uh, i think just once again a huge congratulations to both of them for going and doing it and making the island proud because it was amazing and you know they weren't the only um commonwealth games athletes to, to really shine either were they we saw billy lapulan um win a fight um you know and, and give it us all in the, the next round as well and and you know it seems like he's in, already inspiring others at the club to try and um emulate what he's done and, and go to commonwealth games and then sam Covwell as well on that final day I mean, yeah, not far off. Um, I think even though he didn't win a medal, not far off for me, those two moments, just, mm. you know, with him in the lead with, you know, just sort of single digit kilometres to go, <laughs> looking over the, the amazing shots on the on the TV of him looking over his shoulder and just giving everything. Uh, it's it's one of those ones that for those of us who are sort of so into their sport and we sort of follow cycling quite closely because of, because of Sam and because of everything really, you sort of know how tactics come into it and you just... You just saw him go and you're just hoping beyond hope that he, he might actually be able to work with the guy from England he went with. And then it sort of sort of dawned on you that the English guy wasn't going to play ball. So it, in its own way, it was, a, it was such a great individual performance by Sam. And yet it was such a frustrating moment because he came so close, you know, and through no fault of his own, he ends up not quite reaching that podium. Yeah, Jamie, I was going to ask you guys as well for a sort of disappointment of the year, not in a kind of negative sense, but a, a sort of, you know, the moment in the year where perhaps, you know, there was so much hope and it was kind of you know dragged away at the last moment. And I guess uh, for you, where does Sam Caldwell's ride rank? Well, yeah, obviously what he achieved uh, ninth at the Commonwealth Games is still phenomenal and it still looks good, but no, it just looks good on paper. But knowing what he could have achieved and to have it, it taken away through no thought of his own, I'd say that must have been hugely disappointing for him. 
But yeah, watching that whole race unfold on TV, he rose, He was in incredible shape. He really used his racing IQ, just made sure he was there when he needed to be, made a bold move near the ends. It was really building up to be really exciting because, yeah, we were getting into the final kilometres. He was right at the front uh, and he genuinely looked like a medal hope. But the fact is that... He was up against larger national teams who didn't really want to play ball with him and he got eaten up at the end and you see the result as ninth, as ninth place. But it wouldn't have taken many things to be different for him to be up there with like Lucy and Alla in terms of actual results. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a shame he doesn't have that to show for it. But that said, still phenomenal still an incredible performance and hopefully a promising year to come for him because um, yeah we finally learned what he's gonna be doing in 2023 yeah so he signed for a team currently known as with Songard. they will have a different name next season but yeah i think having spoken to him he thinks it's a place to be certainly looking at results it is one of if not the most successful teams in the uk and they also have a real focus on development which obviously being where he is in his career still quite young at 22 I think that will give him a real boost and hopefully get him where he needs to be, like pro-continental, maybe world tour level. Yeah, I really think if there's anyone in Guernsey sport who deserves success next year, it's <laughs> Sam Caldwell. Um, the amount of work he puts in and, um, yeah, you know, he's achieved some fantastic things um, in the last 12 months, but, you know, perhaps not quite getting the, the sort of the big moment that he craves. So um, hopefully that comes next year. Um, Gareth, is there anything that sort of stands out for you as a kind of disappointment of the year, a sort of a, a moment that, that still stings? Well, definitely. And I, I can I can tell you exactly where I was as well, <laughs> which is one of those things. It was, it was a couple of days before the Commonwealth Games, but it, um, Guernsey were in uh, Finland for their um, for their sub regional qualifier for the T um, Twenty uh, World Cup, and um, I was actually in Bristol playing um, ten pin bowling with my brother and my nephew. He won. Um, well, actually, I won the first. Um, <laughs> fra- is it called? I don't, what are they called frames or whatever? I won the first one, and then uh, my brother absolutely slaughtered me on the next one. Um, but while we were playing. Um, Stu had his phone on where, with the live streaming of Guernsey versus Austria going on. And um, it, we just knew that was the game. It was all going to come down to that game, whether we progressed or not. And um, it was just such a big disappointment. It was one of those things that happens in T20 so often um, because of the format of the game, the shortened format of the game. One of the Austrian guys came in, swung from the hips and he came off. I think he, he scored 40 odd in very little time. Um, I think we'd scored 139, uh, which was proving pretty defendable out there, actually. Finland, it wasn't a high-scoring tournament. Um, but yeah, one guy came out and basically took the game away from it. We so nearly clawed it back as well. We, we sort of kept watching. There was wickets f- tumbling towards the end. But he'd done just enough so that the sort of tail-enders could edge him across the line with, I think it was a, a ball or two to spare. It, it was very close in the end. But um, yeah, I just remember the feeling just... Um, just a bit deflated for the next sort of hour or so. You're just thinking you're gutted for the guys because they haven't had any sort of international cricket, so to speak, of until this summer since, what, 2019, 18, perhaps even. Um, and because of the nature of the ICC tournaments, it's it's sort of pretty much a winner-takes-all situation. They're now going to have to wait until they get another chance of playing ICC tournaments, whereas if they'd have won that game... They'd have been progressing and they'd have been probably had something to look forward to in, in the near future and sort of in the springtime. So, yeah, that was, that was undoubtedly the big disappointment of the summer for me. Mm-hmm. Unlike Sam Caldwell, though, um, you know, some real sort of positive news to end the year and a kind of a, a bit maybe of a, a vision for how things move forward next year. Jeremy Frith coming in as director of cricket and 
Um, uh, yeah, and I guess the only way is up now for, for Guernsey men's cricket. Well, yeah, if anyone knows how to win ICC tournaments in Guernsey cricket, it's, it's frithy because um, I think he's got player of the tournament about three or four times for us in, in the past. And uh, he certainly knows the game very well. Um, he'll certainly give it his all as well, This the, the role he's taken on as director of cricket. So I think there's a lot to look forward to. Um, and yeah, I mean, the big thing for him, as, as he made quite clear when it comes to the national squad, as they call it, is getting a fixtures fixtures programme in place. They, they need to be playing regular cricket, whether it's on the ICC stage or not. They need to be sort of um, honing their skills together, knowing where they're trying to get to as a team. And um, yeah, fingers crossed uh, next year will be the start of something good. Yeah, he seems to have the bit between his teeth for sure. Um, let's come on to unsung hero of the year slash under the radar achievement of the year i couldn't quite work out to frame this um jamie let me come to you right i'm gonna go back to the commonwealth games again uh, and i'm not 100 percent sure this is something which is under the radar it just maybe felt like it given magnitude of what lucy beer and ala chalmers accomplished but yeah um, the fact is that joe chadwick came out of a horrific build-up i mean we had no I think the expectation, like even like a week or two out, was like he won't be running out of the Commonwealth Games because he had been injured since the start of the season. Um, we'd seen what he'd done over 60 metres indoors and we're thinking this guy's definitely Guernsey's fastest man ever. But he still didn't have a blue ribbon 100 metre Guernsey record. And that record has stood for quite a long time, despite Joe being in the shape to take it. So um, for a lot of athletes, the Commonwealth Games are just about going out and using the atmosphere and smashing personal bests and not necessarily getting medals which is a long shot for Mane so yeah to see Joe go out in his first race of the games and just go and shatter that record uh, yeah it's again it was just terrific to witness yeah and I spoke to him afterwards and you know <laughs> he was kind of <laughs> yeah he's an interesting character Joe he was you know he was in some ways really disappointed with how he performed having just you know registered a new Ireland 100 metre record and probably you know the, the, the kind of marquee event but you know with that there was also a bit of recognition of the fact that he just you know run in front of a, a full house at Alexandra Stadium you know it was an amazing kind of setup there um so yeah, I think I, I think it's a good pick for kind of unsung kind of moment of the year because um, yeah, as you say, hundred meter records don't come along that often. He's the fastest man Guernsey's ever produced. Not sure about the facial hair though. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's a bit of a strange look, I find. Yeah, he's rocking quite a strong tash. But that, I mean, in terms of sort of aerodynamics... Um, if it makes you run quicker, fair play to oh, I don't know, yeah. It was a very impressive run, I'll give him that. I think likewise, continuing with the theme of setting personal bests and like records at the Commonwealth Games, I think you have to give credit to All Arabi for being involved in all seven of the swimming records that were set in Birmingham. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. And, you know, hopefully we'll see uh, Orla and Joe on the stage start lines fit and firing for the island games um this summer um big big year ahead uh, yeah i mean just one thing i want to add about the commonwealth games and actually kind of as a sort of overall high point for me of the year you know there's there a fair bit of talk going into the birmingham games that the sort of commonwealth games had, had like lost their kind of you know the, the um the glow had come off them and it was a bit of a you know some of the bigger names were pulling out dina asher smith dropped out just before and there was a lot of question marks about whether there was still a, a, you know any kind of allure for the sort of major i suppose what well, major stars major nations um but this was my first kind of full commonwealth games being there and you know certainly on the ground and i think and i think the impression from further afield as well is that it was a you know it was a huge success and it's um yeah brought back a bit of the buzz around the whole event which is you know can only be good for for guernsey sport as well because as you know we've just been discussing it's an amazing platform for 
all of those selected to, to go and perform at to, to target but then if you know you know where we do get those medal successes as well it's a yeah it's a huge moment to enjoy and yeah hopefully well we've been learning a bit more about what's planned for the next games as well down in australia and um yeah you know hopefully that event kind of lands as well as it did in birmingham and um we've got some good contenders going there a bit more difficult to watch when it's that time zone no, <laughs> that's the problem but no, it'll be, um, it will certainly be a great um, Philip for a lot of our, our athletes and just competitors to um, try and emulate what's happened in Birmingham this year, um, in future years. And Victoria will be a great place to go and, and perform to your to your peak, really. See you down there. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's come on to your uh, unsung hero slash under the radar achievement of the year, Gareth. Well, you didn't put you didn't put the slash in to start with, <laughs> so I've actually got both. I've oh, done really? both. For you, Bonus. Um, unsung hero of the year, a bit of bit left field this one. Um, I'm going to nominate Toby Peatfield for this because um, he is Indies Cricket Club through and through, that man. Um, his two sons, Will and CJ, are obviously sort of like two of the main stars of the team. The club have won their first ever Roselle Shield, which is still pretty much the pinnacle of Guernsey cricket. Every, every club wants to win the Roselle Shield to be evening league champions. Um, they achieved that this year, um, admittedly with a, a side sort of probably packed really full of island stars these days. I mean, Tom Nightingale's Cricketer of the Year, he, he did a lot of the, the good work there. We've got the Stokes brothers, Zach Damrell, people like that. But at the core of that club, to me, is the Peatfields. Um, will loves playing for Indies. He always will. Um, CJ's always there. And he's, he's perhaps an underrated cricketer himself, CJ. But um, yeah, and there's always Toby there. Whether he's um, having to turn out, filling in a gap at sort of a short, fine leg and making... He always makes one amazing stopper game if he plays. He's always diving around like like he's a young'un. Um, if he's not sort of within the boundaries, on the outside of the boundary, walking his dog and supporting the, the club. And I just... I thought it was great for, for him and his family to sort of be able to share in the victory of a, of a Roselle Shield. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be on the plane uh, down to Spain in a few weeks. <laughs> Hopefully, um, Indy's going to represent Guernsey in the European Cricket League, following on from Griffin's making... Uh, the island's debut last year yeah i think that's something they're very much looking forward to um and i'm pretty sure toby will probably put himself forward as a player for that not just a spectator but uh, we'll see we'll see how, how strong a squad they get together for that one and what about under the radar achievement of the year well there's a couple who i'd like to mention i don't under the radar perhaps doesn't quite sort of do them justice because we we sort of made a lot of it at the time but i think it's very important to sort of go back and, and mention these again but um uh, I want to mention Jamie Blondell for winning his first ever CI golf title. That's for someone who's sort of been at the top of Guernsey golf for probably three decades now. I mean, he's he's into his 40s now, Jamie, but his, his standards just keep improving. Um, so to to win an Ireland title for the second time was great, but to actually then go on and, and convert it into into a CI title, um, he beat uh, Stephen Anderson in the final at Langcrest. Really good match, that one as well. Um, I just think it... I wouldn't say it's a culmination of his career because he's still got a lot ahead of him, but it was just, it's great for someone of, of that sort of ilk, someone who's given so much to Guernsey Golf and he, he, always, he always represents us so well. He's a great ambassador, I think, for Guernsey. Um, it was just great for him to be able to, have, to add that to his CV. Um, and the other one, which perhaps, perhaps under the radar isn't quite right, but because he's so good and he has been so good for many years and because he keeps winning titles and what have you, um, the name Martin Daypeck perhaps um, is quite obvious to many people, but to win another Ireland title, but scoring two century breaks in the final, I was there that night, and I sort of I consider it a great privilege to be able to witness that because he is just he is just masterful when he's in that sort of form, and but to produce it 
sort of on the biggest stage in in domestic uh, snooker against his big rival Adam Shorto. They're great mates, but it's it's always a, a good clash when they play. Um, but just to see him score a couple of century breaks on that occasion was just. Yeah, it was a real privilege. Um, no, great stuff. Well, let's just talk a bit more about the team um, side of things because, yeah, as we say, a, a disappointing season for Guernsey on the cricket pitch, a very disappointing year um, for Guernsey on the football pitch. Um, yeah, no Marathi success, so hopefully that doesn't extend into 2023. Um but a different story for rugby and um, yeah, the Siam Cup doubleheader, which um, you know is sort of unprecedented and uh, a, a sort of almost outrageous ask at the end of a long season in National Two to get Guernsey's players up against Jersey for for two massive games in the space of a week and um, two games that that Jordan Reynolds side won handsomely. Yeah, well, they um, they certainly got their preparations right for it. I mean, like you say, Tony, they'd, they'd had a really long season in National Two. It was. Um, I think there's 16 teams in National 2 last season. So you're, you're talking 30 games at um, what Jersey will very quickly remind you is semi-professional level, which, which in terms of sort of the RFU league ladder, it is. They're playing against guys who basically get paid to play rugby, a lot of these guys. Raiders don't, but that's a, that's a separate matter. We won't get into that too, too much. Um, so um, Jordan Reynolds, it, I wouldn't say it was a gamble as such, but once once they knew they were safe in National 2, he, he decided to give some rest and rotation to his squad to make sure that they were going to be fit and firing for that double header. And it worked. It worked an absolute treat. I mean, the first half in Jersey, which was of the what is actually going to be termed the 2021 Siam, because it was one postponed from last year. Um, it was a it was a good match and um, sort of watching that through just through Twitter you, you saw it was sort of big back back and forth weren't quite sure what's going to happen and then Guernsey just blitzed them after the break um, so that was it was great to sort of regain the Siam having um, suffered a really it was it was a bit of a, it was a deflating defeat in November uh, the previous November so to win it um, back was great and then yeah a week later to come home and show basically how good we are. Uh, this Jersey uh, Reds athletic side is a good side, but to beat them 52-0 and um, like I said to a lot of people, it's the only time I've ever been to a sign where I expected us to win and it's a very strange feeling, but having sort of just demolished them a week before and still wanting to right the wrong of losing at Foots Lane in November 2021... It was just a, it was just a really, really quality performance, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I know that every Guernsey fan in that crowd thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, definitely, and a week of high emotion, I imagine, um, for the coaches and the players, and uh, one. Uh, they'll live long in the memory, I'm sure. And it brings us on to um, our own Sporting Achievement of the Year Award, um, which has been going for about 20 years now. Um, slightly different, perhaps, to the other awards that um, you know the Sports Commission hand out, the CI Sports Personality Year as well. Mm-hmm. This is something that really has become recognition for, for a sporting achievement that's kind of happened within the islands. Yeah, we sort of now term it as like a um, domestic sporting achievement. Um, when we first um, brought in the award, Back in two thousand and two, there were some there were some great winners early on, but it it was sort of just a general sporting achievement. Dale Garland was the first winner from a Commonwealth Games year where he did fantastically, and pretty soon the, the name Andy Prio just sort of took over. And so um, our sports editor at the time, Rob Batiste, um, sort of decided we we should try and make it something a bit different and recognise people who perhaps aren't always recognised when it comes to like you say the end of the end of year um, uh, presentation nights. 
So it's, it's, it is gone now to sort of like something that's really just captured us on Ireland or within the Channel Islands, as I say, because it's not, it's not um, solely Guernsey-based. But, um, yeah, so it, it comes up with some really interesting names, actually. Just looking back at the trophy, we've, we've given it to some fantastic sportsmen and women. Um, and, yeah, this year was no exception. Absolutely. And it's gone this year to someone who's been a star for Guernsey Raiders now for a few years, someone who's... Yeah, absolutely gets the place going um, when he gets the ball in hand and, and, and gets motoring at Foots Lane. Um, and someone who had, yeah, a phenomenal um, couple of games in those Sound Cups. Yeah, um, this guy, whenever he does get the ball in hand, it, you just sense the anticipation in the, in the Garen stand. It's one of those things that if he gets going, he leaves people trailing in his wake and, and he leaves a crowd in awe while also cheering as well. It's great. And um, yeah, to score a hat-trick in, in a Siam Cup is is outstanding. And he then went on and scored two more the following week. And his brother completed a, a family hat-trick in the second game. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a, certainly a big week for him. Yeah, so this year's winner, if you haven't guessed, is Anthony Armstrong for um, back-to-back Siam wins, back-to-back man-of-the-match performances in the Siam. Um, yeah, just outstanding stuff. And we grabbed him for a quick word, Gareth, um, when you made the presentation uh, down at Footslane. Here's what he had to say. And first of all, congratulations, um, winning our Sporting Performance of the Year um, trophy in recognition of a fantastic week back in May. Two Siam Cup wins, two Man of the Match performances. Um, yeah, where does that week rank in your sort of rugby career? Oh, that's right, right, right up there with um, some of the best experiences I've had um, over here in Guernsey. Probably the only one that gets close is when we, we did the promotion in Siam back in 2018. Um, but to win those back to back was really, really good. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a, an unknown quantity, hey, with three Siam Cups in the season, two of which came in that week at the end of the, the year. I mean, going into it, um, how sort of differently did you approach as a squad that, that sort of, you know, back-to-back kind of epic week, if you like? We had a really strong season last year, so we went in with a lot of confidence. Um, but that November one, I think, is quite an important part of the, the Siam story in that, that summer. Um, losing that was hit us pretty hard, I think, as a squad. Um, and you can probably see that in our performances. I mean, they dropped off after, uh, and we were desperate to to put that right. Um, and we went out and put into sensational performances. Really, um, some of the rugby we played was the best we played all years. And tries were fantastic, and yeah, just a good, good couple of games all round. Um, you mentioned that November game. It's it's getting a bit infamous now. What the Jersey captain sort of mentioned after the game, basically suggested they showed a bit more heart than Guernsey. I mean, was that something that carried over from November all the way into Mar- uh, May? Um, it was noted, sure, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and sort of fed us the whole way through that that May May week. Um, and yeah, it probably wasn't the best thing to be to be saying going into a side. I'm sure they won't be saying it again. <laughs> uh, sorry, from a player's point of view, um, sort of in the build-up to those two back-to-back times, Jordan, as coach, decided to give sort of a rest and rotation, make sure we had everyone pretty much fit for Siam. I mean, were the players on board with that? I mean, there was quite a few missing for the last few league games. It did perhaps tail off a bit, but I suppose the goal was inside. Yeah, absolutely. We were all on board. It was such a long season. I mean, we played over 30 games. Um, it just, we had to have a break to make sure we were going into that fresh. Uh, and we were comfortable. There was obviously no relegation in the league. We were pretty comfortable with where we were. Um, so, yeah, we really wanted to like those two Siams and come away with, with the victories. And it was an unprecedented um, thing to have multiple Siams in a season, to have two in a week. And, you know, a very rare win away to kick it off uh, in that, that week. I mean, was that the, of the two matches, is that the one that you'll remember perhaps more? 
Yeah, for, I well, can only speak for myself, but that one was probably the more special of the two. Um, obviously, I haven't won in Jersey for a long, long time. It was that first game after losing in November, desperate to get the win, and it all came together perfectly, and we just played some, some brilliant rugby. I was going to say that game was actually relatively tight at halftime, wasn't it? I mean, both sides had scored sort of a few tries going into halftime. So, um, do you remember sort of what the feeling was going into that second half and what had been said at halftime? And we were still pretty confident. Um, we were just sticking to our game plan, really. Um, and that first half, from what I remember, was pretty physical, uh, and we just managed to maintain that the whole way through, uh, and just put them to the sword towards the end and scored a few few tries in that last twenty odd minutes, I think. And then the following week, the atmosphere at Foot Saint, I've, I've never actually been to a time where we were expected to win. And it was, it was a very strange feeling. I mean, was it a case of in the side, just the confidence was there and you were almost certain you were going to win? Or did you expect a bit of a backlash coming your way? No, we definitely expected a backlash. Mm. Um, and we weren't really thinking about winning. We were more, it's, we need to back up what we did the week mm. before. There's no point putting on the performance in Jersey to then come here and get done in front of your home crowd again. We knew how that felt from November. Uh, um, definitely didn't want that feeling again. And it's obviously your own uh, progress as a player, kind of individually over the course of the year. I mean, it seems like you've, you've taken some big strides. You know, as a, as a club, we're now kind of you know fully established at national two, really kind of competitive, kind of you know sort of up and down the league, if you like. But for you as a player, do you feel like you've come on as well? Yeah, I think it was last year really helped to get to get that full full year at national two and be exposed to that that level of rugby. Because um, the speed is and physicality is just another step up, uh, and hopefully sort of grew into that slowly as the year went on, um, and then came towards the summer and just felt in really good shape and and yeah, felt good to go into those arms. Now, one word that's often used, especially by Jordan, if, when you're in form, is destructive. <laughs> now, you you are actually a, a really nice bloke as well. So, uh, do you actually do you actually enjoy sort of running over and through people, or is it just sort of part of the game? <laughs> no, it is. It's quite nice. Um, it is. I feel quite good. Um, yeah, it's probably something I've developed over the past few years. I think when I arrived, I was a lot more slender. I was the guy trying to get on the outside, um, and maybe because of a need when we lost, I think Ned um, became a bit more of a ball carrier and that's just sort of developed um, naturally over the past couple of years. Uh, and yeah, I'm enjoying my role. Uh, it's slightly different from what it was in the past, but yeah, loving it still. So you don't get the chance to turn around and see what you've left in your way, have you, for most of the time, you're still going. <laughs> What about heading into this year then to 2023? I don't know if the Siam schedule is actually confirmed yet or even where it's going to be. Um, um, but obviously lots to play for, lots to play for in, in National 2 as well with, um, with the club. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what, what's the sort of kind of, I suppose, the target for you and the rest of the team going into 2023? I think it's, it's, it's continue progressing in the league. Um, I think when you come down and watch us, we're probably one of the most frustrating teams you can watch for... Half the game will be absolutely fantastic, score some brilliant tries, look unbeatable, and then we'll just do some stupid stuff and switch off. Um, so to develop that consistency in the league and, and try to pick up more points, I think is the aim, aim going into 2023. Uh, and then obviously we want to win, retain that Siam. Um, Jersey of rugby club, I think, restructured slightly and they're now getting exposure regularly in, 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 the, in the league. Um, so they'd probably be a slightly different beast. Uh, and a bit more progressed, so it'll be really tasty, tasty one, I think, and interesting. Um, but yeah, keep progressing and win. Well, lots to look forward to. Congratulations on the award, and uh, yeah, here's to another big year in 23. Oh, thanks very much. Cheers.
Guernsey Raiders Ant Armstrong speaking to Gareth and I down at Fitzlane, the winner of the 2022 Guernsey Press Sporting Achievement of the Year Award, um, richly deserved, and huge congratulations to him. And uh, yeah, here's to uh, another few tries in the slime this year. Well, yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> well, let's look ahead to 2023 now because there is um, plenty coming up. We've obviously got the Island Games in July and um, the build-up is uh, really ramping up for that. We're going to have a first Marathi in Guernsey in four years. Um, there's a Commonwealth Youth Games to look forward to in Trinidad. Seven athletes going to that and also potential maybe for netball and rugby sevens teams as well. Don't know whether I'll be on the plane, but we'll <laughs> try getting there. Certainly won't um, be competing, I'll tell you that much now. <laughs> as we say, Indies are off to represent Guernsey in the European Cricket League um, in just a few weeks. Um, Guernsey's under-19 cricketers are playing in the next stage of the World Cup qualifier. We've spoken on the podcast as well about um, the new sort of hockey end-of-season Premier League kind of competition, which is something to look forward to. Um, but let's just... Um, take stock of some of that and uh, and get your sort of hopes for the year um jamie let me come to you first on this one um, what's your hope for 2023 i think for me like okay we've made some great strides with interinsulars over the last 18 months sort of having gone from complete absence due to covid and we've got a few quite a few of them back on the road but i'd sort of like to see the interinsular landscape return to normal um it's been very positive news that you've got our netball interinsular lined up because that'll be the first in four years but then we're looking at other sports like basketball badminton cycling squash which have been very very quiet um in a few of those sports it was already suffering a bit before covid but i think covid has really taken it out of it and it would be yeah it'd be nice to have them back and conversely in athletics there seems to be a bit more drive to put on an interinsula since the covid pandemic because it had died out long before covid but then we had a few like we had a few virtual interinsulars and there seems to be actually be an appetite now. And recently we brought some juniors over for an interinsular cross country and senior interinsular cross country has not been going for almost a decade. So it'd be nice to see like something like that make a comeback. Yeah, I think I'd echo all of that. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously there's a lot of players in there in terms of getting these interinsulars on. Transport uh, being the, the sort of number one concern, number one issue, stumbling block. Um yeah, you just got to hope something can be sorted to to sort of grease the wheels of interest of sport once again and, and get things going. Because there's um yeah, there was, as we said at the top, a few notable absences on that front last year. Obviously, the Island Games is going to be the big focus for, mm. for all of those sports involved there. But yeah, kind of I suppose moving away from the pandemic, hopefully. Um, yeah, it'd be great to see uh, yeah a lot more of the regular interim selection returning. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll wait with bated breath. Uh, Gareth, your hopes for the next year. Um, a couple of things really, Tony. Um, first and foremost, and I'm sure this will happen, but I, I generally hope that, that the whole island just gets behind those island games. It, it's such a tremendous event and sort of, I'm a, I'm a bit of a veteran now. I think I've been away to seven events and uh, also reported on the one back here in 2003. And I just know how it sort of, it basically overtakes an island, but it, it's such a fantastic event and everyone is just so into it. And just, you know, anyone you speak to is generally full of happiness and joy, the fact that they come together to compete in those sort of events and uh, I'm sure the island will get behind it but it should be a, a fantastic week. Um, the other thing sort of away from that I just want to highlight is the fact that um, we've got a Women's World Cup football tournament coming up and we've now got a, a lioness by the name of Letitia so I'm just fingers crossed that she stays fit, healthy, keeps progressing as she's doing 
um, and hopefully Maya will get uh, will will get selected in the England squad for for that tournament. Yeah, that would be huge, wouldn't it? Down in Australia and New Zealand, <laughs> it'd almost be worthwhile sort of supporting Man United, which is <laughs> I find very difficult to do, but I, I sort of managed to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I suppose as well for Alex Scott, well, we're mentioning World Cups. Um, potentially, uh, he'll be looking forward to involvement in the Under Twenty World Cup, which I think is quite soon, maybe at March time. Yeah, um, down in Indonesia. Indonesia, or yeah. So um, you know, that's that's something a tournament that England have won in the not too mm. distant past. So um, yeah, that'll be uh, an amazing opportunity for him. And just finally, I mean, you know, perhaps aside from the Island Games, is there one single event that you uh, that you're most looking forward to in 2023? Um, the one thing I'm, I'm just really interested to see how our um, under 19 cricketers progress. I thought they had a really good tournament um, on home soil this summer. Um, <laughs> It'll always, I'll always remember it as a, as a tournament where there was a development officer's car parked up at the, <laughs> at the corner of each ground because um, Paul Ben Furbrush, who was the team manager, was actually suffering from, or he's COVID, COVID positive. He was actually, sounded fine because he was chatting to me from about 10 yards away through his car window one day and he sounded absolutely fine, but he, he wasn't going to risk anything. So he was um, hidden away down in a, in a corner. Um, and yeah, the team performed really well and um, yeah, hopefully they, they um, uh, show that they're improving on when they take the next step up. Yeah, something to work towards for them, definitely. Jamie, is there one event that's got you kind of salivating? <laughs> yes. Um, okay, I'm going to go with darts because I know we've got plans for an actual Guernsey Open in the pipeline and it's due to be next year. And I think that could potentially be a really interesting event. I know Jersey was sort of on the international radar for a few years with their own event, which seems to have died out. But um, using the relatively unassuming venue of Herm, we've managed to put on a fantastic Herm Open. And like expanding it and making a big international Guernsey Open using a like big hotel could make, yeah, I think it could potentially make a fantastic event if we get the international interest that it deserves. So, yeah. Yeah, could be blockbuster. Sure, be a few people looking forward to getting some fancy dress on and a few pints in for that, if that's the way it goes. Um, cool. I think that's uh, just about it for our review of 2022. Uh, yeah, what a year it's been. Um, it's been fun doing these podcasts and uh, it's been fun, I'm sure, for you guys uh, writing up some of these successes um, for the paper. Um, we'll be back next year, every week, every Thursday with Guernsey Press Sport podcast for you. I'm keeping across um, what's going on in Ireland sport um, and obviously complementing the good work that's goes on in the printed pages as well. Um, make sure you're picking up a, a paper six days a week in 2023 to keep across everything that's going on in Guernsey Sport. Um, all I'll say is Happy New Year and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, Happy New Year. <laughs> happy New Year. Cheers, Tony.